Welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to season two of the Storyform Podcast. Today I have as my guest my my dear friend and spiritual mentor, Kent Dillinger. Uh, Kent was a pastor for over 30 years of Valley Springs Fellowship in Warsaw, Indiana, and Kent is currently a corporate, uh, corporate chaplain uh, for a company in Cincinnati. Uh, he's also a spiritual director with Larger Story, which is the legacy ministry of Dr. Larry Crabb. Kent, my friend, it's so good having you on the podcast. Thanks, Will. It's a privilege to be here and to chat about a important concept. Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, Kent is just a dear friend. Um, we have had monthly phone calls just about every month for the for the past nine years, um, which is kind of hard to believe. It's been that long. It's been that wow. long. It's been that long. We've, wow. We spent several days uh, together over my sabbatical this summer. Um, I was able to give Kent some golf lessons. Uh, <laughs> now that's the definition of friendship, right there. <laughs> so the audience needs to know that's that's facetious. <laughs> oh, and it was such a blessing during that time. We just spent uh, time together talking about life and family and faith, our struggles and. Um, Kent, your your friendship is one of the greatest gifts to me. Mm, it's fun to hear. Well, thanks yeah. for saying that. So I invited Ken on the podcast to talk about the topic of a friendship. And so, Kent, just kind of kick it to you. An opening question: When we talk about friendship, what what makes a good friendship? Well, that's a great question. I mean, uh, friendship is such a desire in all of our hearts, and it's something we think about and talk about a lot. And yet reality is that very few of us really have very good friendships. I was talking with a friend not long ago, you know, there's that phrase, um, if you have your help, you have everything. And which is kind of a, I think a stupid concept in some ways. I would say if you have few really, really good friends, you have a lot Mm -hmm. Um, because it is such a rarity. And uh, I think, um, I think it's elusive trying to define what, what friendship is. Um, but I, you know, as I was thinking about that, even today, knowing that this was coming, I thought so much of friendship originates around something other than ourselves outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might be, you might be good friends because you both like the same football team. You might be friends because you both have the same hobby or you live, next door or you go to the same church or whatever. So it seems to me that the beginning of good friendship really has to do with um, being um, drawn to something outside of yourself, that you're two people walking toward the same thing. Um, and as we think about it spiritually, a spiritual friendship, and that means we're, we're really walking with a, a deep, deep desire to know God and to be different people than we currently are and maybe we need to change the term I, I like i love the word companion because it feels like 
you're you're on a road, you're journeying someplace, and you're going there side by side, but your your eyes are down the road, kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we could, and we probably will talk about a lot of concepts around the idea. But I think it really starts, you know, if you start out by trying to have a good friendship or make a good friendship work as you stand face to face, it's it's almost inevitable. It won't work very well. We'll become demanding and. Um, so it just feels like we have to turn shoulder to shoulder and walk together towards something out there down the road kind of thing. Oh, that's a great, I think that's a great picture, Kent, because talk a little bit more about that, because I think so often people will say, maybe they go to a conference or they hear a podcast like this and they say, I'm going to be more intentional with my friendships. And then it becomes weird. It becomes yeah. strained. Why is that? I think it's usually because we're subtly demanding that something happen for ourselves. And again, I think friendship is, um, there's a mutuality in which it's not about either of us. You know, all the good things that we long for that are eternal, that have lasting value are, are elusive. They're spirit produced. Mm -hmm. We can talk about them. Community is another one, which is just another um, broader expression of friendship. But, we, none of us really know how to do community well. We don't. We talk about it. We all long for it, but we don't know how to do it. And that's probably right because it's a byproduct of something else. Mm-hmm. And most, you know, all the, the, the fruits of the spirit are just that. They're things that the spirit produces. They're not. They're not things that we produce. You know, um, to really be close and intimate with your wife, you can't go home and go, "Hey, let's be intimate tonight. Let's be close." Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, that's going to lead to disaster because our de- our definitions may differ what that looks like. But it it's because we've turned inward towards each other. And, uh, you know, it seems like James has something to say about that in chapter four. That, you know, why do you end up in these fights and quarrels and stuff? Because you're 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 demanding of each other and you're not getting what you want. And and therefore you're you're not you're not on the path towards I think true friendship. Yeah. Yeah, so if we actually make it something that is about the demand that that it meets something personal with us, then it creates a dynamic. I love when you say, you know, I'm going to go home and say, "Hey, wife, let's um let's be more intimate in our relationship together." And that just feels strained and awkward. And so there is something elusive about friendships. There is um something other-centered uh, that but we also recognize everybody longs for it. I mean, we are hungry for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of the realization is, is that it's never going to work. Probably maybe this is another foundational point to good friendship is the acknowledgement that it's never going to be what we want it to be. It's never going to fully at its best. It's not going to fully satisfy because we live in a fallen world and, the kind of closeness and intimacy that God designed us for was lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and even God, he, you know, these two people were naked and not ashamed and there was no self-awareness. And even as they left the garden, God clothed them. He covered them up. They tried to foolishly cover themselves up, but he, he covered them up too. Uh, he made appropriate clothing for them until a future day when all of our shame would be fully removed and we would be, um, reinstated to the way it was in the beginning and that's not here in this life and so I think the truest friendships are the ones that almost 
they almost happen unbeknowingly and, and, and we didn't really try to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we lived out some other things that felt important things like, um, just being truly authentic with these, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, not afraid of our brokenness, mm-hmm. um, acknowledging that what we're up against in this world, you know, that there's a lot of loneliness and there's a lot of emptiness and there's a lot of sense of futility and there's moments of great joy and we have moments, but, um, yeah, and I, I don't think friendship is that we hang out all the time. My my closest friends are hours away from me now, but it just feels like when we do see each other, we can we can pick up because our hearts have been about the same thing and are about the same thing, and we can talk freely because we're we're really known and we're still actually loved and enjoyed, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we offer that to each other, and that that just creates a lot of freedom, mm-hmm. space. So Kent, for you, as you look back over your life, um, describe for me what have been some of the the best experiences with friends that come to mind for you. Well, I assume you're not talking about events when you say experiences. Um, I, I think um, what when you think about your good closest friendships, what comes to mind? Um. I feel really known. Mm-hmm. I feel really known and loved. And I mean, known at a level that um, could cause me to want to hide. Um, I think some of my friends know some of my truest weaknesses. And um, and and I, I think we've all, I, I'm thinking of three, four other couples. And I think we've all known brokenness. Um, individually with God, but we've known it with each other in the sense that we've just known that we haven't loved well, we haven't loved each other well at times. Um, but there's just, there's some kind of just fierce loyalty to each other. Um, and again, you know, I just like the phrase, we're like-hearted. I think we want the same thing and we all know that it's beyond, we can't quite get it, but we're after that. We're not after something as much with each other. Uh, almost always when I go to, I used to have a Bible study all these people. I mean, really a Bible study. We just got together um, every couple weeks. And, and, and it just felt like if I go there I'm looking for something for myself, I want these people to do something for me, then I would almost always leave disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were caught up in something beyond ourselves, and there was just this genuine, authentic sharing about our lives. It didn't mean we just, kind of divulged everything, but we can just talk freely about whatever was happening. That's what I mean by authentic. You know, some people sometimes would talk about, Hey man, you know, my, my husband and I, who's sitting right here, we're, we're struggling with some stuff here. We don't know how to, we don't know how to handle stuff very well right now. And, and I think it was centered around the fact that there's this, there's this cross, there's this gospel that is good news that, um, we don't have to hide in shame with our lives. Um, we can, we can bring who we are because we all know we're broken. I mean, that's, that's part of this whole thing of friendship is to know that we're all broken. Uh, we're all, we're all living, um, terrified lives <laughs> of being seen and really known and rejected. And, and when you find a few people who all know that with each other and they're not afraid to talk about it, um, then it, then it leads to, the possibility of something good happening. Um, 
and and which also then frees your heart to discover a lot of the good life of God there that can be shared too. So I don't know if that makes Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you say there's a like uh, that, that we're not just simply looking towards one another and demanding that you come through for me in this particular way in order to meet this thing in my life that I feel like you, you, you can meet. It's we're journeying in this destination together that we believe there's a lightheartedness. There's um we want to arrive at the same destination, but we actually hold some of the same values. Uh, I mean, I, that, that's what I've found in my friendships that, that when there's a value for, um, I, mean, I don't have to pretend I don't have to be, right. I don't have right. to be on, um, then there's a resonance that takes place with others that, um, God uses. And, and I yeah. think that's very, very important. I like that word like-mindedness. We, you and I talk about that a lot, that yeah. just, the, there's and- something that's there. And you're using a good word. I think there's so much um, pretending that goes on, you know, because we all feel like we should be someplace other than where we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and the church contributes to that pressure oftentimes. We, you know, especially in performance-based type of churches where we kind of see the people front and we never, we never hear about struggle. We never hear about lament and and so people feel like I've got to be someplace other than where I am. And so then that just gives way to denial and pretense. Now, I love the story in Acts 5 about the church, Ananias and Sapphira, this little couple, this little story stuck in the middle of this huge event that's taking place, Pentecost, and the church is forming. And why is this story the short of it? And my understanding is it's here because God is saying, I'm building my church, and this is not a place where you hide. This is not a pretend. Ananias and Sapphira, it says they lied to the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I think it means they tried to be something other than what they were. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and he deals with us where we're at, not where we wish we were or where we pretend to be. Mm-hmm. And and I think friendship is only going to develop when, when, we're, when a group of people, a few people together kind of decide we're not going to pretend with each other. We're not playing a game here. Um, we're bringing who we are to each other and before our God. And we hope and pray out of that something rich and meaningful happens that encourages us to continue the journey. Yeah, yeah. And don't you think, Kent, uh, that somebody, at least I look back on my closest friendships, and at some point there's a risk. Uh, somebody moves to the place of saying, here's an area of my life that is confusing or that I'm have doubt or here is a situation that um, is not really resolved. And what I found is when that takes place, I think about years ago uh, when I was at seminary, um, they had this spiritual formation groups and believe it or not, most of the students hated spiritual formation groups because it was mandatory. It was required. It was, this is something that you have to do. And the school did that. And in a, it had a, a good purpose behind it because they realized there were uh, 
disconnects between uh, character and competency with some of the graduates or some of the seminary mm-hmm. students were struggling with things in their life. They may be very proficient students and very proficient communicators. Um, you know, there actually was a, a years and years and years ago, there was a Dal- very, very gifted Dallas seminary student that had some major kind of public problems that came out. You know, and so the answer was, gosh, we've got to get people into community. We've got to get them into spiritual formation. And uh, so it was a requirement. You had to do it. Um, and most of the people that I interacted with would kind of look at, with dread of, oh, I got to go to my spiritual formation group. But I remember the very first meeting, my group leader, name was Charlie. And Charlie, the very first meeting said, here's my life. Here's some real struggles that I've had. Um, my marriage at times is not very good. Um, and he led the way that very first meeting. And we had a profoundly rich group that we're still friends today. Wow. Wow. And, um, so I, I, I use that because he had the leader took a risk. Yeah, And the leader said, here are things in my world. My experience is when somebody takes that risk, by and large, others will follow. Others will respond. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Well, I, I, I think, yeah. In fact, I, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about this very topic and idea. And I think that's one of the phrases that came out of the time that some somebody, and I would think I wish it was it should be leadership um, needs to be willing to take take the risk of saying here's who I am not here's who I was 10 years ago <laughs> but here's what's going on now and I, I would say this and this isn't to toot my own horn but I would say if you interviewed the people in the church where I pastored for 30 years I think um, a predominant theme would be that Kent wasn't afraid to, to share his life with us and I remember when I was a youngster, kind of just forming into the pastorate, I remember walking one morning, talking to God on the sidewalk outside, good weather. And um, I remember God saying, Kent, whatever happens in your life is not just for you. It's for the sake of these people, too. Mm. And I remember at that point feeling like, then I have to be willing to talk about what goes on in my heart and soul. Not, not, not to make it about me, but to illustrate the truth of the gospel, to illustrate truths as I speak, and give people permission to be honest, but also to know that there's hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I think your idea there of taking a risk, I don't think you can say it any better than that. Somebody in a group has to be willing to take a risk, and not just to try and make something happen, yeah. um, but just to be a, be be lead by being authentic mm-hmm. uh, because this is who you are. So you would be this way with another person at breakfast and you'd be this way with another person um, that you run into in the hallway. If it was helpful, it's like, who are we kidding? You know, that's the problem is we're all in hiding. We're all terrified. That It's true from the beginning. That's, that's the result of sin entering this world mm-hmm. is that hiding became a predominant theme of humanity. And so everybody's hiding behind smiles and pretense and posing in certain ways. We all have personas that we hide behind 
we hide behind busyness um, because we're terrified. We're really just terrified. It isn't just that we're stubborn. It's like we're terrified to be seen because um, rejection is a, one of the deepest fears of the human soul is that you'll see something in me that disqualifies me. You'll see something in me that makes me undesirable, um, disrespected, um, all those kind of things. And so uh, I think we only know survival mode life foolishly is found in trying to hide and pretend to be something we're not. And we're killing ourselves. <laughs> right. We're killing ourselves as a result of that. Right. Well, and then just the freedom that I have felt in friendships when you don't have to carry that, you don't have to hide or pretend. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think you and I have talked about this before, but you know, there is a great gift in, um, I mean, I've got a group of, of several couples and you know, those couples, I don't have to be on. Uh, I don't have yeah. to be, you know, Will Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church. Um, I can just be Will. And yeah. um, <laughs> a story comes to mind of of one of our one of our friends um, went out of town and visited um, for for a uh, for a funeral. Uh, friend's father passed away, and and so you know, friend of uh, you know sister of my friend, uh, we walk in, and the sister goes. Oh, your pastor's here. And, you know, my friends look up thinking it was, you know, our lead pastor and they humorously said, Oh, that's not, that's not our pastor. That's Will. (laughs) 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 And I, and I, and I love that. I wasn't offended by that. I mean, I, I just thought that that was a win for me. Um, because it's very true. We, I mean, we pursue, Christ together. We pursue Christ formed in us together. Um, and, and yet there's a, just a knownness that we're committed to. We don't want to hide. Um, yeah. and we feel safe with each other and, um, just the power of that. But Kent, you and I both know that's exceptionally rare. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, again, I think, um, fear has great power. Um, and and we were convinced foolishly that we're convinced that hiding our lives is the path to life. And you know, scripture says something about that. That a way there's a way that seems like life but ends in death. Yeah. And um, you know, it's just like it's just it's almost like our default mode that we gravitate toward. And yet, it's keeping us. You know, when we defend ourselves, <laughs> it's an odd sentence, but when we're defensive, which is we all are in how we relate to one another, then the other person feels it offensively and distance is created. Mm-hmm. So anytime we're hiding or essentially we're defending ourselves, we're protecting ourselves. And because God made our souls to connect, if you're, if I'm protecting myself then you're going to feel that offensively and then distance is created and, and we, we live bad lives. We, we live wishing we could be closer. And that's the, back to your idea. I think that's where it requires risk and, you know, I, I tell a story similar to what you did just a moment ago. I, I was supposed to speak at my mentor's uh, memorial service, and I was talking to a friend uh, from another state on the phone, and, and he was saying, hey, I hear you're speaking. How's that going? How's your prep going? And I, I, just, I just stopped, and I said, hey, Brandon, I said, I, I'm not getting anywhere. I said, I am so knotted up over who's going to be there and whether or not I'm going to sound profound. And I really expected him to kind of go, oh, kind of uh, get beyond yourself. 
And, and Brandon just simply said, oh, Ken, how could you not feel that? Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't condoning my sin. I think he was saying, oh, I understand what that would be like, but I also believe there's something deeper in you. And whatever it was about his words at that moment of just acknowledging the human struggle with that, like, how can you not feel that? I would feel that. Mm-hmm. And it just freed my soul. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go home and write. I literally went home and wrote for two and a half hours nonstop. Mm. And I had tried to write for two weeks and couldn't write. And so I think my admitting it, his acknowledging that that's a common struggle and that I believe in something deeper in you, even though he didn't say it like that, all of that just, I think God used to free my soul. And um, yeah, it it just poured out of me and it poured out of me in ways that was life-giving to others then too, you know, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we know that there are these, um, you know, there's the pathway of saying there's a kind of a shared common value system within friendships that we see and value certain things like honesty and brokenness and loyalty and just being where you are, not where you think you should be or others think you should be. There's risk, you know, and we sometimes people get burned. I mean, you and Mm -hmm. I have had experiences. They said, you know, I for once opened up and somebody looked at me like I had three heads and I just immediately felt shame. Well, I've often said to people, yeah, that is going to be the reality with risk. But don't let that keep you from retreating and hiding even more. You know, um, mm-hmm. continue that, uh, the risk within that. Um, but also, Ken, as, as people are listening to this and they're saying, uh, I, I want that, you know, I'm, I'm longing for that. How do we direct them to, but they say, but I don't experience those things. What, what encouragement would, would, would you give them? They're saying, well, I hear I, this, I hear this, I, I am for it, I want that, but I haven't yet found that. Yeah. Well, I think there are people saying that, obviously. And um, Well, I, I'd start with, um, you know, I, just, I, I, looked, I looked at the James passage again um, right before we did this, and, and he says, you don't have because you don't ask. So I would start by saying, you know, I don't want a cookie-cutter answer or spiritualize it, but... Uh, could we ask God? Could we really say, God, I long for one or two friends? Yeah. I don't think this happens very well in small groups <laughs> mm-hmm. because people come to small groups with all kinds of different ideas of what it should be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't, I don't think, I mean, I, as a pastor, I was part of 15, 20 small groups over 30 years. And I think only one or two ever really went very well, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then it was within just a few people within that group because I think there's a lot of people hiding, a lot of people scared, a lot of people who would kind of even say that's nonsense. You don't talk about stuff, you know? So I would encourage you don't, you know, there are places not to be open because you people aren't trustworthy. Yeah. So I'd be important. careful. We, I don't, again, you don't want to just share to try and make something happen, yeah. you know? Um, I, so I, I don't know how to tell people to find each other. I'm not sure, but I would start with praying and God says, is there any way you could bring a person or two into my life who's going to be like-hearted? Um, who really wants the same thing, who can really interact with that at a deeper level. I was just talking to my daughter about this. We drove together this Saturday to a football game and came back. It was a couple-hour drive. And um, and she has so longed for the kind of community that she saw us, her parents, have um, with some friends back home in Indiana when we were there. And 
and she hasn't been able to find it. And it's almost like she said, I've almost given up on it. And I've just, I've given up on trying to make it happen. And I just kind of praying and pouring out my life as best I can. And now she's actually kind of found a, a, a couple of people mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that, that she was surprised by. And it, her giving up wasn't like futility giving up. It was giving up on the demand that she could have, have that, or she should have that. It was, and I think she was just trusting God that he would bring the right people. And she continued to live openly. And, and, and I think, I think people of like heart find each other in time. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good statement. But again, I think as you, as you go about it, you, you can't go about it with a demand that demand is so subtle in us. And, and it's just really easy to, you know, and if you find yourself leaving a friendship and you go home and you're talking about that person critically with your spouse, well, they don't do this. They're not responding. Then, then you have a demand, (laughs) you know, I mean, you just, you're, you're demanding of something. And, you know, Bonhoeffer said in his little book, life together, until we give up our wish dream of what we think community, or you could apply marriage or you could stick friendship in there until we give up what we think it ought to look like our wish dreams. He called it. We're never going to have what we long for. Yeah. (laughs) We, we have to let God create it um, in his time, in his way. And mostly that's pretty surprising. And it's not this ongoing, hey, every time we get together, we feel this ooey gooey closeness. It's, it's sometimes it just happens in a, uh, in a phone call. I mean, there's times where we've Zoomed with our friends back in Indiana and I get off and I'm disappointed. I wish it would have gone a different direction. I wish our, I wish our hearts would have touched a little more than they did tonight. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of disappointment is always there. And we're always, you know, good friendship makes you lonelier, mm-hmm. <laughs> truthfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that might be an odd sentence to somebody who's listening. But, um, you know, it's like, hey, you know, if you've never had steak and suddenly you get a really, really good steak, it's going to make you want more really good steak. Yeah. <laughs> um, and good friendship makes you hungry and lonely for more because you enter in a lot of other relationships and, you know, like, well, a lot of guys, all they do is talk about sports or their jobs or whatever. And I can walk away from that feeling like, oh, I long for so much more than that. Mm-hmm. I want our souls to touch or meet. And I, I don't know how to make that happen, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I don't, I've gotten way off the question probably. But, no, no, that's great. Um, that's great. Yeah. Follow up a little bit, Ken, on the you mentioned for men. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm under, maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's wrong, but I think women tend to maybe do this more naturally as far as being more open to connection relationships at least in my experience this is something that when you talk to men they they long for that because god's put that longing in our hearts they would say i long for that but then they they don't experience that what makes that uniquely difficult for men oh wow that's a big question I, i don't know that i have a really good answer will but um I think <laughs> I think men are really, really um, terribly insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fall has struck at a deep chord where we're afraid that I think we were, and again that we're in a conundrum here because God created us to have power. He gave he he created Adam and he put him in the garden. He said, "Here's here's your world. You rule it. You shape it." And it, and it worked. And now I think guys because of the fall, everything that was meant to work doesn't work. There's thorns and thistles, <laughs> which is just symbolic of the fact that life doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so I think we feel this deep sense of threat and inadequacy and that 
we're always comparing ourselves. And so somebody else looks like they're the better athlete. Somebody's got the better job. Somebody's making more money. And we just compare and compete all the time in subtle ways in our hearts. And, and it just keeps us distant. Um, and I think, I think we're just really proud individuals and we have a hard time admitting weakness, admitting failure. And yet I think that's the true biblical definition of strength. I don't think strength is this macho. I got my act together. I think strength is that you can admit that you don't have your act together, that you're weak. Um, and you, and you fail at times, but you know where to go with that failure and therefore a solidness develops deep in your core. So a lot of guys, I think I find sometimes that deep friendship with guys often happens as, as we don't face each other, but as we're doing something together and then we're back to your idea, which I think was brilliant earlier is that we, that we take a risk Mm -hmm. while we're talking about football. Are we willing to say, man, can I tell you about my week? Yeah. And I just, or can I? can I talk to you about my son, man? I'm, I'm frustrated. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know how to reach him, you know? And he just makes me mad all the time or man, my wife and I just are not connecting right now. And I'm not necessarily asking for advice. That's the other thing. I think men, men are so quick to want to feel like they got to fix something because we don't want to feel inadequate. We don't want to feel the brokenness of this world mm-hmm. because it makes us, it just threatens us. And, and I think guys do a terrible job of truly being curious and asking questions. Like, say more, Will, about what you're thinking there. Say, tell, tell me this. Ask, uh, you know, uh, and then I share my life a little bit. Yeah, I know what you mean there. You know, I, we're just so quick to offer advice and stuff, even though our, our lives aren't much better. Um, right. You know, I think that's an important point. And, and I just um, finished a weekend, a men's advanced weekend that we do here at the church and one of the speakers there brilliantly as we're around the campfire Saturday night brought that same point Ken he said you know group of men don't give advice you know don't give advice because that that shuts off any sort of connection now there may be time that we do give advice if that's needed but by and large be willing to ask those follow-up questions you know Mm -hmm. and how does that make you feel um how are you wrestling with that you know, what's scary about that? Have curiosity rather than trying to fix. And uh, and my experience has been if with with men, you get the side by side thing, I think is very important. I've had some of the most life changing conversations doing an activity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet there needs to be some sort of step towards the intentionality within that. And, you know, I, I've often found too, that, um, as a leader within the church, when I can lead the way in that, mm-hmm. when I can take the step towards that and, and, you know, there's a vulnerability to that cause they can say, Oh goodness. Um, we want our pastor to be perfect. Um, and just walking through that and modeling that, but also appropriately. I, I like the analogy of friendships. We're always giving beginning by little deposits. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. had that experience that, you know, you maybe take a little risk, give a deposit and the way it's met, the way it's reciprocated gives you a picture of, okay, I can deposit more. Mm-hmm. I think that's I like kind that. of a helpful thing just a helpful yeah. movement of because 
we've all had experiences that maybe someone said, man, I really bared my soul to somebody. I didn't leave anything behind and it did not go well. I'm not doing that again. I won't do that again. Well, you know, friendships evolve. It takes time. We can't be in a rush. Can't put pressure on it. We have to be willing to say um, it's not always going to be what we want it to be, and yet we over. I like Kent what you've talked about with me over the years of just just hanging with people brings mm-hmm. real value and goodness into relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I another thing is I think true friendship is a give and take and I, I don't think we receive well and I think that's true for men especially we're not willing to ask for help we don't receive it when it's offered you know I mean I I'm trying to think well, just the other day I went to do something for somebody and there was no reason for them not to let me do it I mean it literally I think it might have been to throw their trash away at lunchtime <laughs> and it's like no I got it I got it I got it you know and it's just like it's almost like we feel if we receive something that we're now obligated yes. um, rather or, than there's just this or we're weak, we're weak, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think part of good friendship is, you know, when I, when you and I talk on the phone, for instance, I feel like I want to be as open. This isn't just about me waxing eloquent with my wisdom. It's me being willing to also, is there something that will has to offer me, yeah. you know? Um, we need what the other person has. And and I might go into this thinking that I'm here for you. And I may walk out of it realizing you were here for me. Right. <laughs> you offered something into my soul. And it, and in, in a, am I even willing to say that? Yeah. Wow. You know, somebody said something to me on the phone the other day and I thought I hadn't thought of that. And I just said to him, man, I, I never thought of that. I think that I really need to chew on that. I feel convicted by your words. And I don't know what they did with that, but I think they might've been shocked because they're actually paying to talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm getting off the phone telling them you, you affected me today, you know? And, and so this hierarchy stuff just needs destroyed. You know, it's just like, we, we're, we're just, uh, you know, we're fellow companions on the road going someplace. And, um, yeah, you know, we just bring our lives. And I, I, I would say this too, how big is our grace? You know, we say, Oh, I shared something and they, and that person used it against me. And I, I think that's sad. But then I think, well, then they don't know grace very well. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm willing to share stuff about my life. And, I, and I'm selective. I'm selective. I think you should be selectively vulnerable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I share stuff at times. And I think if somebody's going to use that against me, then I'm just, that's like, well, seriously, I mean, I'm, I'm forgiven. Why would I hide that? Yeah. Why would I act as if that's not true? Yeah. You know, and if you... If you can't share that stuff, if you're more worried about what a person thinks, well, God already knows that and stuff. And I'm not quite getting at what I want to say there very well, but I just no, feel I, like there's this deep, deep sense of, I don't need to hide my life. Not because I'm afraid of you. It's because I, God knows me and it's already covered. Right. So I guess if you want to hold it over my head, then, you know, more power to you, but that's not going to stop me. That's not going to stop me from, from, cause I believe that, authenticity is one of the paths to God and to, to maturity. And if I believe that, then I'm willing to keep being authentic, um, whatever that means. And again, I don't want authentic to be heard as I just share everything that's going on. That's, 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 yeah, again, God, total, total openness went out at the fall. If I could say it like that, Mm -hmm. 
the bottom line is what does it mean to love? Am I sharing something with you to love you or, you know, or am I just trying to promote myself or trying to make something happen? And I share because I, I, I want to offer who I am to another person, mm-hmm. you know, um, at any given moment. And, and sometimes I choose not to share because it's, it wouldn't be loving. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so this idea that friendship is based on total openness with each other is just crazy. Yeah, like it, I said yeah. earlier, God, God covered them up there. There's never going to be total, total openness again until God perfectly redeems things and restores things to the way they were. You know? Oh, so. that's so important because it, it, that's, I think that goes back to the, the wish dream idea, um, that it, it's just not a reality. And that actually is too much to bear, uh, with within relationships and and, and so yeah. I think I think you know can't just kind of wrapping our our conversation up here but just we could talk about this for hours um yeah but just the uh I think what I'm coming away with is that there's no formula um there, yeah. there's no five steps but there is there is a there's a cultivation um there is ingredients um there there are there is a an atmosphere that could potentially lend itself for good friendships. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would, Will. And I, I would add a couple more things here that feel important to me. And one of them just got triggered by what you said. Um, not that you said it directly, but um, I, I think our deepest friendship has to start with God. And I, I don't want that to sound... Um, super spiritual or cliche-ish kind of thing. But I think um, I heard a, a woman named Ellen Davis. I think she used to teach at Duke University. She said, the Psalms are our first amendment rights with God, that we can say anything to him. It's not another person. It starts with God. And as I as I learned to, to just, uh, God's the one who, who can really handle all of me. No other person, not my spouse, not not another friend can truly, truly handle all of me the way I long to be handled or rightly should be handled. <laughs> Only God can do that. And so I think the deepest friendship has to start with believing that, that God, through Jesus, is deeply personal with us. He's walked this earth. He knows everything we feel. The, the writer of Hebrews tells us all of that. He's experienced it to the nth degree of his soul, more than even we have. And so why would we not go to him? And I don't do that very well. I keep asking other people to do for me what they cannot do, starting with spouse, down to my kids, to friends. Um, No human being can do what my soul, what I long for them to do in my soul. Uh, Only God can, and he doesn't doesn't do that in a felt sense all that well in some ways. Um, but I want to go to him. I want to cultivate something there with him that then trickles down into my human level relationship. So that, that feels really important. And the only other thing I want to add is just, I think the other thing is we're, we're so terribly blind to how we relate. Mm-hmm. And I think good friendship is going to require that we, we come face to face with how we sometimes relate. I thought I was loving. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. I thought I was being kind and it really had a pull. It had a bad energy to it. <laughs> um, and, and people feel those things and they, and they create distance. And so if we're, if we're going to develop two friendships, I think there has to be, there'll be moments in a, in the, in the deepest friendships where there has to be some 
um, maybe indirectly, maybe you, you listen to a guy talk about how he moved with his wife and you go, crap, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's because somebody literally says to you, Hey Kent, I don't, I think the way you respond to Carlo there was really bad. Um, or the way you're handling your son is, is not good. Um, so there has to be some moments where the deceitfulness of sin is exposed, whether directly or indirectly in our relationship so that, so that we can relate better. And I think that's part of good friendship too. Um, and then will we be open to that? That I don't relate real well and I relate in ways that push people away sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so good. So good. And I think this will be helpful just to give a vision of, of what we're pursuing. And I'm so glad, uh, Kent, to have you on this podcast and to talk about this very important topic. As I said in the beginning, um, you know, this, this is something we all long for, um, that if we count two to three really close friends, then we have a treasure and, um, and, and yet that's, I, I hope that the Lord will use this to just give, um, a framework again, not, not step by step, but just a little bit of a vision of what that work could be. And knowing that the spirit is energizing that he is working yeah. towards that end. And, and I think we, we long for that. I, I, you know, I have so many conversations with people, uh, who long for that and yet giving them this podcast would give them a, a little bit of a, of a picture of maybe how that could be cultivated, uh, as we trust the Lord. I love how you, the centrality of my life in God, uh, has to be in the center. That has to be the the lifeline. That has to be the thing that everything else, the hub in which everything else flows from, or, or else I'm going to create an idol out of friendship um, yeah. that that will not sustain. And all of this, Kent, so important. So glad to have you as a guest on this podcast, and and just um, love our friendship, our time together. Um, I consider you one of those um, within my circle and um, love you, my friend. And thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. And anytime I'm going to end with this, anytime you need a golf lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all the time. I need a golf lesson, (laughs) whether that's actually from you or not, though, is up for debate. (laughs) That's an inside joke for our listening audience. When Kent and I played this summer, I, I think it was maybe two houses that I hit. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it might have been three or four. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I was right behind you, though. That's the only thing. <laughs> uh, Kent, yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast. This will be a blessing. Absolutely, Will. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today on the Story Form Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.